Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fam With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. So you just got back from a great conference in Puerto Vallarta, right? Yes, it was the Young Leaders in Travel Council. And I will say that was one of the best industry conferences I have attended, you know, in my career, um, where I am like right now, I feel like it met me where I needed to be met. And what was so special about this event was that you arrived and you don't know who a supplier is and who an advisor is. Uh, you don't really have that delineation until you get into a session and you know where you're sitting, you get name tags and it'll tell you what company you're from. So then you know. So there were, I think, 46, 45, 46 people at this event and I maybe knew three people before coming into this event. So I was so nervous because i that's not typically how I show up at events. I usually show up at events and I know at least half the people there. So being here at this event, knowing only a few people um, and not really knowing which company they were with until we got to the sessions. And even so, they put down the company where we work but they didn't put down what role we played in the company. So you didn't know who was an owner, who was, um, you know, just working as a BDM for a supplier or an employee. Like you had no idea where people sat in terms of hierarchy because we showed up with everyone being equal and on the same plane. And it wasn't until we started having conversations and getting to know people where you're like, oh, you've been in the industry for 10 years. You just started. It's been, you know, just a year or two since you you know, started selling travel. So it was such a refreshing way to walk into a conference setting. And you didn't talk about your sales. You didn't talk about how much money your agency made. You were simply there to develop your leadership skills because the people in that room were leaders of some kind in their um, in their company, in their community, whatever it was. So I had a really great time. And the other events that are associated with young leaders is, uh, I think it's the Elevate Symposium, the Female Leaders in Travel. If you're in the industry, you've probably seen folks post things about going to the, those particular conferences. So, um, you know, if you get the opportunity to go or attend, I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend showing up with an open mind and being willing to share what your experience is. I love that. I feel like the way they set it up with the name tags and everything, there was no room for assumptions. You had to right, get to know right. people in order to understand them better. And that way you weren't, for some reason, automatically intimidated by, or I know you wouldn't be like this, or feeling superior to, you know, it's just like mm -hmm. everyone is starting from zero. Love that. Exactly. And I was so shocked because I tend to be very introverted. I know for some people they're like, what? No, like there's no way. But I don't typically go into new spaces being super friendly to everyone. I'm usually more reserved and just checking out the space. And I've never been to an event with mostly strangers. And 
having yet by the end of the event, having spoken to every single person connected with every single person there. And I thought that in its, in itself is a really special thing about the event I just attended. So absolutely, I really loved it. Good. I might have to check out that female leaders and travel conference. <laughs> oh yeah. Do Unless it. it's I only for it. young whippersnappers. <laughs> oh no, this was just for young whippersnappers under 40. <laughs> We have joint pain, by the way, so not very whippersnappery, but... <laughs> one of my advisors reached out and was like, how does one get invited to the Future Leaders and Travel Conference? And I was like, mm, well, <laughs> there's an age limit. I said, we need to start the Old Broads and Travel <laughs> Conference. Serve <laughs> some <to> margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. First up, we have an article from Travel Pulse that lists this year's best city destinations for millennial travelers. And I think that millennial travelers still has some kind of a connotation to it that we are just kids on social media. I mean, we are on social media, but we're not kids anymore, guys. We're adults on social media now. So anyway, European travel tech company Holodoo recently released its generational travel index for 2022, as reported by CNBC. To create its rankings, the company compiled a list of every country in the world's main city and analyzed them according to specific factors that align with the values and travel desires of each generation. So the research revealed... That 71% of millennials use Instagram at least once per week. At least. Uh, yeah, I think the, the <laughs> emphasis is on at least. <laughs> and center their travel plans around the destination's food and beverage offerings. And that more than half of them are parents with children who still live at home. What I've noticed is for sure that food and wine experiences really seem to appeal to millennials and me. Even though I'm Gen X, I've just noticed... That's always a huge draw. Street food or, you know, people wanting to eat adventurous things, but just really focus on those experiences. And I do think that some of the best experiences are over a meal, which is why I love sharing meals with strangers. And mixology-related activities. Mm -hmm. I love a good mixology class. Not that I'm good at it, but I just love seeing how all the flavors come together to make a really delicious drink. And if you have fancy glassware, I am there. I will, I will embrace my millennial basicness. I don't really care. I, <laughs> I like what I like, and that's it. <laughs> so you. in assessing the best cities for millennial travelers, as defined as those born between 1981 and 1995, Holodoo took into account which are the most quote-unquote Instagrammable the number of Instagram hashtags each has accrued, et cetera, how many of its national dishes made it into the top 100 and each destination's overall family friendliness. So here are the top five best cities. Paris, France, shocker. Mm -hmm. Barcelona, Spain. Oh, yes. Madrid, New York, and Miami. Those are the top five. Does that surprise you, Corrine? No. I mean, I'd love to see Spain on there twice. I would love to see the rest of the list. So I'm going to have to click through to see that study. Uh, but no, I think those are all, although I guess Paris kind of, I don't know. 
Not surprising, but Paris kind of surprises me that it's number one. And that's just another reminder that these are grown folks with money. If Paris, you know, Paris is not a really inexpensive city to visit. Listen, I visited Paris as a college student. I stayed in hostels. So there is a way to do any place cheaply. So Paris being Paris, I feel like it's always top of the list and a bucket list destination for so many people. So that to me just isn't surprising. But I will say I haven't seen a lot on Madrid, though. I'm on Instagram a lot, but at least once a week definitely applies. I mean, it would be at least 10 times a week. Um, But I don't know if Madrid pops up for me as often as the other destinations. I will say Madrid is very affordable. One of the, there's like a YouTuber and she does, she has like a membership here where she helps people learn how to move to Mexico, young, under 30. And she lived in Madrid before. And also Kathleen Sullivan lived in Madrid, I believe. And when I got back, she's like, tell me everything. Isn't Madrid the best? And I was saying how I couldn't believe we had this huge dinner with wine and drinks and table covered with tapas. And it only came to, and it was for five people only came to 85 euros. And she's like, yeah, food is really cheap there. So I think you can get a lot for your money in Madrid Mm -hmm. and it is a big city and it has a lot to offer and the food scene is amazing. So I'm not surprised to see it there. Um, The article has some more details uh, on the bottom after the list, and it says the long celebrated city of light ranked highest among all the world's main cities uh, as home to some of the world's most well-known landmarks. Paris has received over 137 hashtags on Instagram. The French capital is also home to the most attended theme park in Europe, Disneyland Paris. So that could also be it, which of course is a favorite among families. Paris also boasts two of the top 100 best national dishes. What are they? That's what I want. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Maybe I ate so many croissants. I wish wish they would have told us in here. When looking at worldwide major cities solely in terms of their Instagram hashtag numbers, Paris actually came second to London, which had a count of 158 million. And third for hashtags came Istanbul, Dubai, and fourth, and New York City in fifth. And the global cities that feature the most national dishes ranked in the top 100 are in order from first to fifth, Naples, Rome, Milan, Florence, and the only city outside of Italy to make the top five, Beijing. I object. (laughs) Where is Spain in this list? (laughs) I don't know. Where's Mexico in this list? That's what I want to know. We're only a UNESCO World Heritage Cuisine. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I don't want to get any hate for this, but sometimes I feel like Italian cuisine is overrated when looking at other cuisines. Like I can eat Mexican food. I can eat Chinese food every day if I had to, but Italian food, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own personal thing. Italian food is good, but I don't know if four of the five top 100s I think for me, Mediterranean food in general is my jam and obviously Mm -hmm. Mexican food, but I I wouldn't put it all in Italy. I mean, Greek Mm -hmm. food, Spanish food, I feel like that. There's a lot to be said there. Well, I agree. 
All right. Well, our next article is also from Travel Pulse, and it's titled "American Travelers Are Craving Cruises Again." Study shows, and it's interesting because I just before we were recording had a travel biz or travel joy setup consultation, and she was debating whether to get the cruise workflow. And she's like, "Well, I sold a ton of cruises before the pandemic, but it just hasn't picked up." as much yet. And I was like, well, I'm going to be talking about an article today on the podcast that says that studies are showing that people are more interested than they have been in a long time. Now, I've had solid cruise bookings throughout just because that's such a huge piece of my business. And I said it a bunch of times while cruises weren't even running. When people get this idea that people don't want to cruise, it's nuts. Cruisers want to cruise, period. So I I think there was definitely a time where maybe people who hadn't cruised before weren't that interested, but that's picking up as well. So the article says, while the entire travel industry was hit hard by the effects of the pandemic, the cruise sector in particular ended up being singled out for scrutiny and often maligned in the press. Now that people have taken to traveling again, any evidence of its recovery is encouraging to see, and the findings of a new study suggest that cruising is coming back in a big way. The newly released results of Insure My Trip survey indicate that the overwhelming majority of U.S. travelers are planning on taking a cruise within the next two years. The overwhelming majority of U.S. travelers, that's big. It also revealed that they're not waiting for the traditional wave season to arrive before they book these voyages, which we just talked last week. And I said, I've, I've noticed over the years, wave season becoming less and less significant used to be like, don't even talk to me between January and the end of March or April. And now it's been spread throughout the year. So I'm not surprised. And especially too, I think travel trends are a little bit off because of the revenge travel and the, you know, the pent up demand. So it'll probably take a while to even back out. They also provided with Cruise Compete to poll American travelers who have been on a cruise in the past or are interested in cruising. When asked whether they were planning to go on a cruise within the coming two years, a whopping 96.1% of respondents answered yes, while only 1.1% said no, and the remaining 2.8% just weren't sure yet. That's Obviously, huge. they are wanting to travel 96.1%. That is pretty clear where U.S. travelers stand. And when you think about it with the revenge travel, I think people are like, I want to see everywhere. And with a cruise, you get to see a lot of destinations in in one week's time, really. Now you can't immerse in those destinations, but for some people, it's just a matter of seeing as much as possible. Does that make sense to me? Right, right. And this article gives um, the most popular months for cruising. Um, The research indicates that cruise goers tend to travel towards the end of the year. They're most likely wanting to go on their cruise in September, October, November, and December. I object. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it's slow, but hurricane season tends to be a little less desirable and European cruises aren't really traveling past September, maybe the beginning of October. There's no Alaska at that time. So I'm not sure about that, honestly, but I do. We need more information. Yes. I do find it's funny to me that there's some people who assume 
that no one wants to travel during Thanksgiving or Christmas. For some reason, they have it in their head that people just want to be home and they're like, can you get me a deal? And I have to explain that that is especially Christmas. You're going to pay the peak, peak, peak pricing. It is extremely in demand. You have to book early. You're going to pay more. And some people are really shocked by that. Why? I don't get it. Why? (laughs) I I think sometimes people will think of things in their mind like, Oh yeah, I should be able to get a good deal because this is how I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you or just have to. No one is them. traveling around Christmas. Christmas is probably their slow season. Yeah, I should be able to get a great deal. Or in the summer, it's Maybe. too hot. Nobody. Wants, I'm like, but that's when the school breaks are. So it's it's cranking, it's pumping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it states here with record economic inflation, it's no surprise that travelers are now shelling out more money for their cruises. Insure My Trip researchers identified the average cost of an insured cruise vacation thus far in 2022 as $6,367. Yeah, baby. Compare that to an average cruise cost of $5,420 in 2019 pre-pandemic. And we've been talking about that trend quite a bit. Again, YOLO, pent-up demand. People are willing to spend more right now to get something really special. Last on our list... From Travel Market Report, what is luxury villa travel and how to sell this lucrative niche? I'm going to admit to you that I don't want to, but I do see the appeal. I have done a few luxury villas. It's just a little, I mean, my sweet spot is not generally an ultra luxury traveler. I have a couple that are really amazing people. I have found a lot of times when I'm working with people looking in this market, the expectations are just so high that I end up really stressed out and I just Mm -hmm. don't enjoy it. But I think it's so neat what you can get with these villas. I I really like if you're into luxury, I think this is such a great place to go because the type of experience that can be offered Mm -hmm. is incredible. It just stresses me out. So I stick to my solid mid-range, healthy budget, really appreciative people. <laughs> that's that's my sweet spot. <laughs> well, this article says, long before Airbnb disrupted the travel space, there was a class of discerning travelers who were in the know about luxury villa rentals, and they booked them regularly as their accommodation of choice, especially when visiting Europe or the Caribbean. Here's why. Premier Villa Rentals offer travelers an impressive slate of advantages, including luxury, privacy, an exclusive escape, an intimate setting, breathtaking views, world-class amenities, and private staff and concierge services, all in an aesthetically superb home away from home where they can live like the locals. They serve as a distinctive starting point for creating lasting vacation memories with friends or family. I'm just imagining in my head like celebrities and billionaires and all these people who want that privacy, who want that exclusivity and to have a private staff. You know, I think many of them bring staff with them. And so you're able to have rooms to house your staff, the nanny for your kids, the two nannies for your one kid. I don't know, whatever they decide to do, but having that privacy and just, I feel like it's a more flexible way to travel because you have all that space at your fingertips without having to share it with anybody else. But the thing is, is 
I mean, obviously going ultra, ultra luxury is, is way up there, but you can do pretty luxurious villas. It is much more affordable, much like a Croatia charter, much more affordable than people think, especially if you're bringing a good number of people when you break it down per person. Now, my thing, what, what I say, I don't really love going to stay in like a VRBO or an Airbnb is that I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to take out the trash, but this is different. You get this fully staffed. And actually, Puerto Vallarta, where you just were, is a place where you can get a really affordable, beautiful mountainside villa that is fully staffed and the value is exceptional. So I definitely, that's on my list of things to do. But sometimes I'll just play around because I do get sucked into this idea of how I think this is such a cool experience to offer. I just don't like the stress that comes along with booking it. So I don't want to, <laughs> but I, sometimes I just look and I'm like, man, this really is, is very affordable when you think about it for what you're getting. Now, if you're going to get like a huge estate in Tuscany, that's going to be a, a different tax bracket, but <laughs> you can get villas that are fully staffed that are really amazing for better prices than you might think. There are a few different ideas for how you can pitch villa rentals to clients or how you can incorporate them in your quoting. So you can include romantic escapes. You can get a smaller rental, like a penthouse or something for the couple. Family reunions. The ones that I book are mostly on cruises because they want everything in one place. But if you're looking for something more exclusive just for the family themselves. This could be a perfect way to do that. Golf getaways, destination weddings, or corporate retreats. So all of those are great ways to look into villa rentals. And we're not just talking like an apartment or a condo. Some of these villas are villas villas <laughs> with infinity pools and your own driver at your disposal. These villas are legit mansions in some cases. So perfect for those groups that I mentioned. And what they say in the article, going back to what I was talking about before, uh, this may be surprising to hear as many people think villa rentals are more expensive, not necessarily so. And in fact, Many villas are priced less than hotels of the same quality. For example, three rooms at a high-end hotel may cost $6.90 per night per room, while one three-bedroom luxury villa with the same amenities and services could cost you $990 a night. That's a savings of $1,080 per night. When you factor in all the benefits and amenities of a private villa, you can show that villas offer a superb value. Yeah, when you break it down like that, it's definitely worth having a conversation with your clients if that is the direction that you would like to go and they would like to go. Yeah. In some circumstances, it doesn't make sense, but sometimes it might. Yeah. And of course, they bring up COVID. So there's some people that are still nervous about being in a place with a ton of people with everybody's hands on all the handrails and all of that stuff. So it is also a perfect solution for your nervous clients who want a lot more privacy. Here are a few tips from advisors who are already selling luxury villa vacations successfully. Um, explain to the clients the difference of several hotel rooms versus the villa cost. List the benefits of the villa and how they outweigh staying in hotels. Families with small children reap the rewards of staying in a villa. Their children have the freedom to roam and play. Most kids don't want to sit at a table in a restaurant for long. In a villa, when they are done eating, they can go play and the adults can still enjoy their meal at leisure. 
And if your children scream and run around a lot, please stay in a villa. Eat at your villa. Not at the resort where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She also made the point, uh, this advisor, that Italy also offers beautiful villas. Hotel rooms in Europe can be quite small, so having a villa gives you more space, and they are located in beautiful neighborhoods away from the hustle and bustle of the city's streets. They are more relaxing and give you the feeling that you are local instead of a tourist. So many clients are looking to indulge in the local culture. Staying in a villa is just the way to fulfill that desire. That's a great point about the space of a hotel room versus a, a room in a villa. Especially in Europe. I always make sure my first time Europe clients understand that the rooms are going to be quite a bit more cozy, quote unquote, than what you're going to get in the U.S. Charming. <laughs> um, another advisor um Advice to be successful in closing a villa booking, you have to really listen to what the client wants, not be focused on the cost of the villa, but to find the exact one that will really wow the client and one that includes everything that they ask for. And lastly, my best tip would be to know a few key villas that former clients like and love and sell those. Selling villas is lucrative and reliable and delivers a quality experience our clients have truly loved. I get it. I'm not going to do it, but I get it. (laughs) Um, Are we ready for some excess baggage? I am. Are you? (laughs) Hopefully my mouth is. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Hong Kong could soon end its hotel quarantine and COVID test requirements for incoming travelers. Another one from them says that ALG Vacations is continuing its post-pandemic recovery, and while 2022 is continuing to trend strongly for the company, 2023 is expected to be even better. I've got two articles linked here from Travel Weekly that cover the effects of Hurricane Fiona on Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Both places have suffered catastrophic damage, so check the links for details, especially if you have travelers headed to either place. Travel Weekly also reports that cannabis-friendly hotels are targeting high-end travelers, though the cannabis legalization movement in the U.S. has spawned plenty of bud and breakfasts and weed-friendly budget hotels. A handful of boutique hoteliers are targeting the high-end cannabis traveler, no pun intended. Travel Age West says, to simply say 2022 is a banner year for Viking would be an understatement. Not only is the cruise line celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, but it's also welcoming a total of eight Viking longships in Europe, another three riverboats on the Mekong, Nile and Minis- oh, Mekong, Nile and Mississippi rivers, a pair of expedition ships, and a pair of traditional ocean ships. Travel Agent Central reports that Holland America Line is continuing to bolster its longer voyages, departing from a North America home port, and the 2024 Grand Australia and New Zealand voyage is the newest addition. The 94-day journey that's been more than 10 years in the making departs January 3, 2024, aboard Volendam, sailing round trip from San Diego, California. Another one from them says that Princess Cruises has really revealed details of its new ship, Sun Princess, which is under construction at the Fincantieri Shipyard, slated to debut in early 2024. The 175,500-ton vessel is the brand's largest ship ever and can accommodate over 4,000 guests. 
According to AFAR, lights on the Eiffel Tower will soon be turned off more than an hour earlier at night to save electricity, the Paris mayor announced Tuesday as Russia's war in Ukraine deepens an energy crisis in Europe. Travel Pulse reports that Contiki, the carbon neutral tour operator for travelers 18 to 35, is offering its first ever itinerary to the country of Georgia, available to book now for departure in June 2023. The Best of Georgia itinerary is a 10-day adventure beginning in the country's capital, Tbilisi, along with five different UNESCO World Heritage Sites and plenty of opportunities to learn about the country's culture and soak in its natural wonders, like learning about its ancient winemaking techniques and hiking the Caucasus. Caucasus. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our high note today is also from Travel Pulse. Southwest says leisure travel revenue is surpassing 2019 numbers. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the tin lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello? Please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tin lounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.